All right, guys, welcome back to the Cat and Cloud podcast brought to you by the Pull String Press. This is part two of our three-part series with Alex Littlejohn. Woo! Woo! Alex does specialty hey, sales for Equator Coffees and Teas. She is also the membership chair of the Barista Guild of America and is the SCA education counselor. Hello, Alex. What's going on, Baca? Oh, I'm just having a great party time. Let me take you off off track here. Okay. Yeah, sorry. What? No, no, no. It's good. This is just. It makes it fun. It's kind of like a, a take it back to the back to '89. What's your first memory of Chris, and what's your first memory of myself separately? Ooh. I want to hear it. This is thing. First memory, of Chris, was um, coming to camp and like looking at the uh, instructor's background, and there's a picture of him like dunking, and I think you're. Achilles was fucked up and, or messed up at yeah. the yeah 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 I was on at, crutches at the camp I was on crutches mm-hmm. in a boot or a cane with a boot and I was like man this guy's a badass he's still here like teaching and like he is a badass but I wouldn't want to like have to drag him around that's like but he was oh, super gosh. cool super cool Jared I think my first I didn't meet you until I think Jared's I was eating <laughs> Jared's eating, eating coffee, coffee beans I'm right tasting your beans I'm <laughs> that frenetic. he's got like ten in his mouth sorry continue to. no it's good um, I'm glad you're eating the beans it's hilarious uh, I have to know. I think the first time I met Jerry was at the competition. I was I had judged Chris, and that was like one of the best barista competitions I've ever seen. This is in Portland, year. yeah, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, so yeah, and I remember meeting Jared in the back room, and I was just like, "Hey, I really enjoyed your performance, or whatever." And you were just like, "Done." <laughs> you were just like, "Uh huh, cool, thanks, man, high five. And then like walked away at USBC or regionals. USBC. USBC. Oh man, it's because I went over time. I had never gone over time ever, and at USBC 2012, I went over time twice. Yeah, these but, beans taste nice. But you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to let the guys know at the roastery, yeah. man. Good job, Equator. I did make finals, even though I went over time. So there's my toot of my own horn. That was the year you guys got third and fourth, right? No, I got fourth fifth by like three points. Yeah, third yeah. and fifth. Mm-hmm. Third and fifth. And then it was uh, Katie won. Yep. Second place was Charles. Charles, of course. I was three. Fourth was <laughs> Dev Shap. <laughs> oh yeah, Devin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then JT. And then six was oh. that guy Trevor. Travis Beckett. Travis, Travis. Beckett. Yeah. yeah. Travis. Travis. His performance Jeez, was good that year too, man. He's yeah. a pretty handsome. He did guy nitrogen too. cavitation just like Chris. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves nitrogen. That was a year. Yeah, that was a good year. I wanted, I wanted one of Chris's. Um, oh, I still have them, dude. I got a stack of them. They were so good. Those little trays that he's like, me and my dad made them. I was so yeah, excited. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. That year was crazy. That year was crazy. I mean, my wife was. We were about to have my daughter. We had my daughter like a month later. My first daughter, Israel. That was crazy. Yeah, that time was so nuts. I, I had so much pressure on me then i was like if i i might be able to win this thing pete licata was also like pitching both chris and i he's all you guys could win this thing and i was like if i win i'm gonna go to vienna like and my daughter's gonna be born that same week i don't know if i could win it was so crazy Aww. i was done i remember it and but i am very glad that my presentation made a difference to you so that's cool it did it made I, me feel good i remember chris's presentation the most though because i got to judge it and i went to the back and we were deliberating and whatever. And I had scored like you way high. I was just like, dude, his <laughs> fucking shirt and his pants and his shoes, everything his matched. It was on fleek. Yeah. It was so dude, good. Dude, my comb over was, Devin's like, you look like Homer Simpson. Young Homer. <laughs> Young Homer. <laughs> Young Homer. But I did have this sick Tiffany blue theme all dialed in. Dude, it was so dialed. And I was like, dude, he just took me to Disneyland. And that was like, from that point on, the judges, anytime I would like overscore someone, they'd be like, did they take you to Disneyland? Did they, did they D-land you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, it was so, it was so amazing. 
but it was a good performance <laughs> and it was an excellent excellent signature beverage that was fun that was a fun year and then i got lucky because i used coffee from graciano cruz which mm-hmm. we've got some on our website right now catandcloud.com mm-hmm. um and he was so pumped on it he's like are you going to vienna and i was like no i can't go it's just too much money he's like you gotta go i'm gonna pay for you to go and i was like this is amazing yeah and man. i went and it was fucking sweet you were on tamper tantrum yeah i did a tamper tantrum live <laughs> and it was really embarrassing because it was embarrassing what did you throw a tantrum about i don't think i've seen this one yet oh it was it was, it was old right? it was about breeze competitions mm-hmm. it was about why they suck and they're stupid um, <laughs> <laughs> we I just put my, out a blog I my which I <laughs> career to the barista competition cool. circuit we, we but they're dumb yeah how we care about barista competitions too so it's been a full circle yeah it was a full <laughs> circle yeah i know it is a full circle and that's true everybody goes through this point well yeah i mean that's it's like a really really big thing i love the competitions obviously or i wouldn't do them as much as i have done but then i always felt like there was just like a little bit of a disconnect between the person who was doing really well up on stage in that top six or top three or champion or whatever. And then the people that like crush it out every day, like the baristas who are just like badass. Like there's a lot of really good baristas out there and like a ton of them don't get a lot of love because you see these superstars and you know, nothing wrong with them, you know, like Charles and Pete and all these people. But there's so many unsung heroes. So I was that was kind of my angle. I'm like, this is why this doesn't matter. And there's like real rubber meat in the road in all kinds of places in coffee. And this is how it can be. Oh, that's true. That's that's very true. Yeah, I mean, people have performance anxiety. Like some people just don't do well. It's like those people who aren't good at tests, right? It's like they give you the best barista in the entire world, really, and then get on stage and fully freeze up. Or they don't do it at all because they, they can't. Yeah. That's for whatever true. reason. Mm-hmm. Or they don't want to. Or they don't want to. Yeah. They don't they don't see the need in doing it. They like going. They like everything about it. They mm-hmm. think it's great. Yeah. Just not for them. There's so much value in barista competitions. There I got to tell you like I mean, I learned so many things that I apply just because of not succeeding at barista competitions actually. So I'd almost say winning is like cool, but if you care to learn like losing and doing your best and then taking every bit of feedback and like applying it is more valuable than winning maybe not to your company you work at but like the reality for you as a as a person not necessarily i mean you bring a lot back to your companies when you do that and true that's why i mean everybody was up in arms about the whole oh you have to have your level one or your level Mm. two certificate to compete now and who knows what what, what's going to come of that meeting but Mm -hmm we base those tests on the competition score sheets. So it's kind of like, well, if you can pass this test, then you could pretty much get 60 or higher, if not 70 or higher on your tech scores. It's a good point. And give good customer service. So I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't think a lot of people realize that when you go through your level one, your level two exam, you're expected to make competition style drinks and make sure that they're to temp to, that they're timed within three seconds, mm-hmm. that you're immediately inserting and brewing, that you move throughout the space and all that kind of stuff. People don't know that, guaranteed. That's no. good for people to know. I mean, speak on that more if you if you want. Oh, I could, I could Go into climb it. all over a soapbox for that. But Soapbox us. Yeah, this is why you're here. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, there's a lot of value in the certificates. Yeah. There's a lot of value there. And not a lot of people know, like, hey, I should make my drinks. If, if nine people come in, I should probably make my drinks biggest to smallest. So if I serve that espresso first, yeah, that's one off the ticket. Uh, but that person's going to be waiting around when everybody's waiting for their like iced lattes or their uh-huh. soy cappuccinos or whatever. And that's something that we teach. It's something we, that we test on. 
And so, that's and that's real. I mean, that's great stuff. We talk, Chris and I talk about that in training too. Oh, I yeah. I, I hate it. It's it's this happens to me all <laughs> the time because I go out and get coffee with a lot of people who aren't coffee nerds, right? So I'll go out and get coffee with people who are getting big lattes and um like I don't know huge chais or whatever, and that's chill. It's like a twenty ounce chai with a dirty shot. Or yeah, whatever. twenty yeah. ounce yeah. chai sure. with a dirty shot. And then if I'm if I'm there and I'm ordering espresso and it's on the ticket, and then the espresso comes first, I immediately drink it, and then mm-hmm. I all of a sudden don't get to have coffee with my friends, right? Because I'm done already, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if they would have served it last, everyone else is already enjoying their drinks, and mm-hmm. then I get my espresso, then I can enjoy the moment. Right. With friend. Exactly. And like on the level two test, you're asked to dial in two different grinders, one doser, one doser less. Mm-hmm. And I might get in trouble for that, but um, <laughs> at different gram weights mm-hmm. and talk about it and ask, you know, and be like, hey, what's going on here? Why does a 16 gram shot taste differently than a 20 gram shot? And how? Oh, yeah. And if you can't explain that, then like that kind of sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> like, supposed to know that stuff. Let me find you. Oh, Cherseys? Cherseys. I, share I, mean, oh, yeah. I was going to try to find you. We're, share, we're we, sharing beverages. We, right we, we've cupped together. That's we have cupped together. We've all worked together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe people don't know that. Jared and Alex and I, have. we've all worked for the same company. Yeah, we all worked at Verve Coffee at one point in our lives. Yeah, yeah. It was it was radical. Verve was great. I remember thinking that I was not nice enough to work at Verve because oh, Jared on. Truby was so nice. Yeah, but Jared's nicer than everybody, so that's like <laughs> not really a thing. Yeah, also no. that I wasn't cool enough. Well, that I'm was, not cool. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that <laughs> the reason I'm cool is I hang out with Chris Berka. Jared's definitely not cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay. So you're talking about tests, certifications. Mm-hmm. Jared's talking about competition. And then I was kind of talking about all-stars versus beginners. Uh, yeah. And you're talking about company value. And I think, which is kind of echoes what you're saying and reinforces a little bit of what you're saying, Alex, about like, you know, level one, level two is like, there is so much value in taking people from your company who are interested and getting them to these events, even if they're not a superstar and you're not going to get any marketing value out of it. Yes. You're going to get other value. You're going to get um, real tangible value that you bring back to the cafe, customer service mm-hmm. level kind of stuff. And maybe you won't be in the New York Times as like, you know, the USBC champ barista or regional champ barista, but you're going to, we were talking about this at dinner. We were literally mm-hmm. talking about barista competitions and how they impacted like how we work bar in terms of cleanliness, just because of oh, the yeah. technical score sheet. Jeez. And there was a period in time in our, you know, coffee career to where we didn't really know about or care about that stuff until we started training for competitions. And then all of a sudden there's someone checking off these boxes that's like, Hey, your portafilter is like actually not really totally clean, and your counter looks like a fucking mm-hmm. hot mess, and all these things, right? Oh, and it's not until you go through the certificates that you're like, so many people don't immediately insert and brew. So many people. S- I'm like, really so, with you. So many people just like are like, let me just make a t- coffee jacuzzi and leave this puck in here forever. Swamp thing. Swamp. Well, <laughs> double swamp thing to go. Um, it's pre pre infused. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna like you know. It's a hot sear bake. the top of this puck. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be nice and juicy. It's actually just another element of roast that we're adding to yeah, it. Yeah, it's hot, great. steamy roast. It's a double roast. But people don't get that. People don't get that. People don't get the whole like make eye contact and say hello and please and thank you and you serve someone. Weird. So if there's common courtesy asking yeah. you as a um, someone heavily involved in the industry, if there's if you can pick one event that you can go to, like let's say your employer's like, you can go to one 
event, any coffee event, what do you what do you pick? What's your pick for like a new barista? Someone oh. who's been maybe on bar, I don't know, six months to a year. I would say camp for camp. sure. Because after they go to camp and they meet people there and they make those connections, then they're going to want to volunteer at other things. Mm. I feel like if they go to competition or expo or something like that first, they may not have the connections that can make it fun. They're not going to know anybody. They're not going to kind of know how to navigate around. They're not going to understand what the SEAA is. Okay. And something we do at camp now is when you arrive, we do an orientation, which that's only been true over the last like maybe three or four camps. Gotcha. Nice. So, so it's community is a huge part of camp is building community. Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest value that I tell people every day is when they call me and ask me, why should I go to camp? It's a thousand dollars. It's expensive. It's mm-hmm. far away. It's. I owe my career to Barista Camp. I'm, I'm not saying to go there to find a better job. I'm saying there, go there to ask questions. You're in a non-threatening environment mm-hmm. with a lot of other cafe owners and baristas. And you can say, hey, why do you do this in your cafe? That's kind of where I learned how you could take the refrigerator doors off of your under-counter fridge and change the way they open to make it more efficient. Because mm, like someone showed me. left to right? Yeah. Yeah. And someone was like, oh, do you have a screwdriver? I'll show you right now. Oh, yeah. Just little things like that or like, hey, this is how I do things or this is how I hire. This is, oh, here's a great tip on keeping your toddy filter so it doesn't mold or whatever. Like Jeez. little things. Yeah. So that's the greatest value. And plus you're all around the campfire and you've had a few drinks and no one really cares about proprietary secrets because it's like, oh, you guys all know how to pull espresso too? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the most important thing maybe you've said. Is yeah. Proprietary secrets can go F themselves. Yeah. It's yeah. like total, total BS. As far as I'm concerned, I I'm can't sure there's some it. people who like have like their trade secrets and, but that's not, those things aren't, you don't really have any competitive advantage with those things. Like if I tell you, if you ask me a serious coffee question, you're like, Hey, I need help with this. And I tell you, it's like, not like you're going to magically run away with all my wholesale clientele. And like, no. It just doesn't work like that. There's so many different things involved. And we can all get better by sharing information. And that's kind of why I love the new open coffee thing that Bernson and uh, Perger are doing. Yeah, they just invited us to that. Oh, man, yeah. I, I wrote one thing on the forum. I yeah. said, am I doing this right? Probably not. We're brand new. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we Kyle, did good. Kyle from Malconig said I was doing it Oh, right. snap. <laughs> So <laughs> Kyle Ramage, well, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle said I was doing. So it the I right have way. all these fake nicknames for everybody because I can't remember how to pronounce their last name. So Kyle Ramage is always Kyle Kyle Rampage. Perfect. Kyle Rampage. Scott Googly Googly is Scott Googly Googly. <laughs> Obviously. So Ky- Kyle, for those who don't know, works for Malkonig or Malkunig, mm. king of grinders. They do make fantastic. They grinders. make fantastic grinders, including and the wildly popular EK forty three. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can get some like, what is it? Tungsten carbide, psycho, yeah. insane burrs, whatever. And uh, it wasn't. It was at camp that I got him to take apart one of the K30 twins and be like, "Dude, like I'm working this fast pour over bar. Oh, they're the same diameter as like the Tanzania and the Kenyas. Yeah. Oh, I can take that out and like make a little pour over bar grinder. Swap Amazing. That. That's pretty sick. Like so many things. They got the peak coming out. Mm-hmm. Slash halfway out already. Yeah, Malkuna. New grinder. Every nice. burr set cut specifically for each grinder. I mean, I consider that pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. We're not getting paid to say this either. No, we're not getting paid. <laughs> to say, we're not getting paid to say anything. We're not, we're not getting not paid. Yet. We're yeah. not getting paid at all. Yeah, we're funded by nobody. <laughs> funded by nobody. Supported by the Pull String Press. And supported by everybody. And supported by everybody. Which we appreciate. For all you guys, just because I'm shouting it out, who haven't uh, rated, subscribed, and re- subscribed and reviewed. Um, please do so. But also to those who have, thank you so much. I mean, we've 
we are climbing and we're, we're getting there. I, I firmly believe that we're going to be on new and noteworthy and we're going to be able to shoot, uh, especially coffee out into a, a whole different atmosphere. And, and speaking of which though, Alex, what, what was your first memory of, of coffee that you would consider specialty? And like, what, what broke the ice and made you say, I got, I got to do specialty coffee. It was the Drippolator, man. It was um, working on this crazy old Linea EE that was like probably made in 1975 or 1980 yes. or whatever. And I was working register by myself and all that. And I wanted to pour latte art and I wanted to make coffee taste good. And that wasn't the shot, though. Like that wasn't the God shot or whatever. Right. But that was the place. Yeah. So we had the SCA standards duct taped to oh. the side of the machine. The full on like eighteen to twenty four, that whole thing was it that yeah time of the seven year? to nine grams uh-huh. in blah 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 oh, like yeah. it was amazing, <laughs> and Amy would come behind the counter and you know, is Amy the owner? Yeah, Amy Vermillion Carroll. She still owns it. They just turned sweet sixteen like nice. yesterday or whatever. Congrats, guys! Um, but she would tell me it's your shop. Run it like it would be your shop, and uh, you know, and that was it because you were the only person there mm-hmm. running like an old school register cash only business for like I don't know fifteen years, mm-hmm. and also the espresso machine was on the back bar. You'd hand off over here. So you'd mm-hmm. park two pitchers, have like three shots raging, ringing somebody up, like also pouring coffee into the basket. Yes. So. That's like the true multitasker. That's special stuff. Yeah, it was great. That doesn't happen anymore. Often. I Did you say. work by yourself there at all? Were there shifts alone? Oh, it's always alone. Oh, yeah. it's always alone until like maybe 10 o'clock in the morning and then the second person would roll in and then you'd have a break. I mean, sometimes you'd even ask like regulars to watch the counters. You could have a smoke and stuff like, Yeah. Right. So I good. think, cool. well, this is interesting because Jared and I talked about this also that we've both worked in coffee shops where we're like the only person on the floor and you have two. And maybe it's kind of like a nightmare for some things, but I think it builds like a certain degree of like mental awareness and you can function at a really high level in a bar environment if you've worked by yourself. Yeah. Like you never know how much you can do until you literally have to do everything. Yeah, and, and Amy was great. Like she had lists everywhere, and we had smoothies and the big oh, train yeah, powders. Yeah, smoothies too. And we had to also like do the pastry order and put the pastry order away, and also receive like organic breads and cut the cake. Like her mom would make these like huge like four tiered cakes. You have to cut one slice out of so that people could see the inside of the cake. I feel like I worked at this place. I worked <laughs> at a place that sounds exactly like this in Modesto. It literally sounds like the same place. I think that's how cafes were, man. We had couches everywhere and um, the, the bar was really high so I would have to wear high heels to work or like throw a pallet there so I could reach the espresso machine. We never had the SCA standards. We did have a thing taped up in the back room that said brew espresso flawlessly. <laughs> That's <laughs> in case you were going to brew it not perfectly, you need to, to do, it, do flawlessly. it flawlessly. Yeah, you just a reminder. Know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, what um what now? So, you've worked, you know, you've been heavily involved in the SCAA, you worked with us at Verve, you did the Keen thing, you were at the Drippolator. Yeah, man. And now you work for Equator. How is it um working for a, a company? Equator's kind of one of the only companies that's up north that's made like a pretty big name for themselves they've been around for a long time yeah since 1995 they're they're deep in the game and is that a different experience than some of your previous specialty coffee employment totally i mean working for a company like equator is we're still a small business we still only employ less than 100 people really yeah wow okay i had the outside view from that is i felt like you guys were much bigger no we roast like 
we roast quite a bit of coffee. A every lot week. of coffee, right? Um, yeah, and we do a lot of wholesale business. We have like 400 wholesale accounts or something in the Bay. That's a lot. A couple, like another hundred or so around the around the country. Um, but it's it was bootstrapped by Helen and Brooke. You know, like Helen was placing ads of her face like buy my coffee in roast magazine in the 90s and brooke was roasting out of the garage so there's still the owners are still heavily heavily involved in the day-to-day operations of the business um there's a lot of structure there that uh i didn't really know a whole lot about there's a lot of ways that we do things with coffee that i didn't know about um 40 foot view of coffee for sure and you guys do some crazy high end i mean you guys do thomas keller's coffee yeah. right at the french laundry which and is awesome yep and i love that i love that every time i i i man i personally manage that account now so that's a big a big promotion for me so i get to take care of per se the french laundry all the bouchons um ad hoc and all of those groups and uh in every thomas keller kitchen there's a clock and underneath the clock there's a plaque that says sense of urgency it says oh, alex little john it says sense of urgency. No, that's a, it says for help, call Alex Littlejohn <laughs> on the side of every espresso machine. Um, but yeah, I love that. And then you walk through their kitchens and they call you chef if they don't know your name. It's as a sign of respect. Oh, really? Um, they close down for a whole day every year where they have all staff day where Thomas comes down and cooks for everybody and does a big potluck. And um, it's an amazing company to be partnered with and to see the way they do things. So I'm envious of that. And then for the for the super coffee geek guys out there, you have a you guys have a couple different roasting machines. Yeah, we have. What a, do you guys roast on? We have a Loring, we have a San Franciscan, and then we have a Petrucini. Whoa! So we have three different roasters um, there, and then we have seven different guys roasting coffee. Send so, one director of coffee. So one dr. That's a it, lot of coffee. It's a lot of coffee. And we roast five days a week. Nice. Uh, starting at six a.m. and don't stop till four p.m. So. On all, yeah, on all three roasters, so it's pretty intense. And we're in the valley up there in San Rafael, so it gets real hot. So we're doing the sustainability initiative right now, where it looks like we're closed. We're really not. We just turn off the lights during the day to keep it cool. Oh, okay, that's a good move, um, actually. Yeah. So, but yeah, working for Equator is very different. Um, we have a lot of high end clients, more hotels, like the grown up job, kind of how it feels like. Right. Because all of the other jobs I've worked for, especially coffee, the owners are pretty close to my age. Mm-hmm. Right. Even even Amy at the drip, she's only like nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. So this is working with people that are like actual, not that I didn't have mentors that are my age or whatever, right. but women that have been through it. Like mm-hmm. they know what it's like to be thirty and like wanting a career. They know what it's like to open a business. They have a different view of things, and yeah. it's really nice to be guided by people like that. So for people who might chime in and go online, and they're like, okay, I'm going to check out this Cat and Cloud Coffee podcast. Why especially coffee? Like, I drink Starbucks. I drink Pete's. It's awesome. It's consistent. It's mm-hmm. whatever I expected well, to be. Well, Starbucks and Pete's are specialty. They are specialty. You're totally right. So I guess... Why dive into somebody like potentially Equator or a Verve or a Cat and Cloud mm. one day or, Tastes you know? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, um, like I, I truly believe and I cry at a lot of my wholesale accounts if mm-hmm. I get like too much into like talking about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe that working for a specialty coffee company that has good sustainable practices and growing, you know, is growing and sustaining and thriving with their staff and with the farmer, mm-hmm. it is the only low buried entry job where you can make a significant impact in the world mm-hmm. you can touch people's days every day by making them coffee right and then you can impact people all the way back down to the farm just by letting them know hey did you know coffee grows on a tree mm-hmm. and it's, it's a cherry 
Right. And, and they're like, what? And their face melts off. Yeah. And they're like, what? But then they tell that story, and then, then they tell that story to their customers. Their customers bring more people in. Mm-hmm. And there's this awareness of, hey, there's a lot of humans that touch this before it gets to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the front line. I'm the last one to touch this. So I have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And I'm making 10 bucks an hour or whatever. But you get to really make days and really like change lives if you are good at it. What are some of the telltale indicators for somebody walking into a coffee shop like you know it can't just be like pick a local coffee shop they're all specialty right mm. so for those who might be afraid to leave a starbucks or a pete's like what's a telltale indicator obviously i know we've got the internet and we've got yelp so it's it's a little bit easier but for those who maybe still are like well that's not i don't quite trust that like when i walk into a place are there some things that they could look for and you'd be like maybe give this a try or like maybe, you know? Like from the consumer or from like a barista perspective? No, 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 from a consumer. Like, you know, because one of the ultimate goals of this is to help people who don't have a clue and it's okay if they don't, right? Especially coffee is this, this like... Like how do you know if you're going yeah, like to a how quality do you know? place? Oh. Yeah, like how do you know? When you walk in, you're like, what? This is going to be because quality. Because you won't recognize equipment or anything like that. When you walk into a coffee shop and you want to know if it's good or not, mm-hmm. are they telling you the coffee that you're drinking? Right. Does it say, even if it just says Honduras or right. even if it says, you know, whatever blend are the bags, do the bags correlate with what's being brewed? Mm-hmm. I would say that if you start there, mm-hmm. you could probably ask some questions like just be like, oh, what do, what do these bags look like? And if it's if it's if it's stamped like made in China on the bottom or something like, you know, run away. Right. But like if it's if you have any kind of coffee information on the bag and a roast date. Yeah. You're probably in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to tell. That's a really tough question. It is a tough question. Right? I, just, I often think of it. I'm like, what would I tell somebody? Because if I had to answer that, I would be like, even as corny as this sounds, I'd be like, if there's latte art, you're going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, even though even one. though that isn't like necessarily an indicator of quality well, coffee, it does not. like it does give a nod to like some sort of attention to detail. And care. And yeah. care. If they spent the time to do that, because for most consumers, you won't know until you taste it right and like that's every every new startup story like eileen and jeremy at ritual and you know colby and ryan at verve you're you're building a coffee shop in a neighborhood and people are like why are you even coming in here there's like 15 coffee shops like what are you doing and they're like oh we're different and they're like okay like how and they're like oh the coffee's good and they're like yeah well there's good coffee down the street mm-hmm. and until they like put it in their face yeah until they taste it it's really tricky right you know what them. i'd say I'd, for one for me that I'm looking for is like, do you see the baristas wiping out portafilters and wiping their steam ones? That's actually a, a, yeah. that's a pretty good one. But sometimes they hide the machines real good, Jared. That's true. Like I have, <laughs> I've been in, I've been wholesale a minute. Like sometimes those machines get hidden real good, and there's still a corn dog there. You can't help it. Like I love corn dogs. I always have a corn dog. But, under the, but like Bouchon, Bouchon makes excellent coffee, but they don't pour latte art. Right. Right. But they I. When you go in there, you can read on the bags like the Thomas Keller blend has blah 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 and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and, and these are the flavor notes. Like, so well, you know that's actually an important point though too. Is it's like, yeah, it's hard. Quality coffee, it, you can't necessarily say it's going to taste like this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you can buy an amazing quality coffee. Starbucks, I'm sure does. Pete's does too, and they roast it fairly dark a lot of the time, comparatively to a lot of specialty coffee companies that we would say are the best, quote unquote. And um. It's actually an argument in the past I've had when I hear people complain about roast and just say, like, you can't roast that coffee super dark and this, that, and the other. But at, at the end of the day, 
if you're buying specialty coffee and you're using sustainable practices and you're paying whoever the farmer is more, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter if the if the consumer you're selling this coffee to loves it. Your roast level almost doesn't matter at that point. As long no. as you're selling it and everybody's winning in between, there's no right or wrong at that As far point. as impact on the whole supply chain. Yeah, and I just, yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, I tangented right there, but it's yeah. also a really important point. It's like that coffee maybe at Bouchon, amazing coffee. Maybe a coffee nerd might go in there and be like, well, this is too dark for me, right? Maybe not. Yeah, I've never maybe. been there. I've no, never no, no, maybe, there. for sure. And I, I'd actually really like to go. I've never been. But on the contrary, like, if they were to say that's not good coffee, they would be wrong. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? It's extracting at exactly 20%. Exactly. It's one of my accounts. I've, you what know, does that like, mean for people who might not know? Um, coffee is only soluble up to 30%. So proper extraction occurs between 18 and 22%, depending on your coffee. Is and that TDS? That is actually extraction it's percentage. Not. The TDS <laughs> is the total dissolved solids. So it would read about 1.3 for a proper extraction. I just was doing that to get a plug for a shirt that we have on our oh, website. TDS. To show us your TDS. <laughs> TDS. Um, but that's good for people to know. But yeah, I mean, but the thing that irritates me the most about specialty coffee people are like coffee geeks mm-hmm. is that, like, oh, this coffee's so roasty. Oh, it's so roasty. It's like, the number one seller at Verve was Buena Vista. The roastiest Which coffee. is a dark roast. Yeah. 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 The number one know. seller at Equator is Equator Blend. It's not a dark roast, but it is considered a dark roast. I mean, relatively. It's a lot of yeah. To, yeah. It's not going to be like what I gave you guys. Like it's gonna, That's like a light to medium roast or yeah. whatever, but it's going to be your mom's cup of coffee. Right. Turns out our mom's cup of coffee is what most people in the United States like. Right. Yeah. And it rolls right on into that little box of what people are going to buy. And then if they keep coming back in, I'll see people come into Bouchon or into Equator and buy a large Equator blend coffee and then grab a bag of Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. It just takes trust. Yeah. Trusting the brand. Trusting that that you're doing the right thing. And also, if they never make it to buying that (laughs) Ethiopia... Is that like even necessarily a bad thing? No. Like if they want to buy Equator Blend or like Buena Vista for the rest of their life, like that's probably fine. Right? Do it. Well, buy all the coffee. Right. Buy all the coffee. Like buy all the coffee that you love. Yes. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's well, it's the same thing, right? What's your best wine? The wine you love the most. I yeah. Mean, they say that all the time. Do the same thing with coffee and like let's get over ourselves. <laughs> I just want to get the guy that's in like middle America that gets up at 6 a.m. and goes to drive through for his breakfast you know i want to get him to just order coffee mm-hmm. versus a mountain dew that's good that's right. the, that's like the main goal yeah get him off that soda a little bit get him on to some like coffee who cares if it's a little light and sweet doesn't matter when you're matter. when you're talking about specialty coffee because mm-hmm. before you know jared's like starbucks and peace and you're like well those are specialty coffees they are yeah what um how do you define specialty coffee for those people who aren't super tied into this industry specialty coffee technically is an 80 or higher grade Mm -hmm. when it comes down to grading coffee and scoring coffee so when i talk to people about what specialty coffee is that aren't in the industry i talk to them about it like wine and i talk to them about it like beer i talk to them about it in those kind of ways i'm like yeah you could go to like the corner bodega and get like a bud light or like a drip cup of coffee that's kind of watered down it's like using four ounces for a gallon brew or whatever but if you're going to a place that like has good atmosphere and has a good product and is like kind of serving some decent coffee, you're probably going to go in there for like, you know, a nice IPA from Lagunitas or something like that. I kind of just try to make it relatable to mm-hmm. them. So specialty would be what I would consider prepared with intention. Got it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And prepared then with intention. You in your mind, how do you differentiate from a place like a, 
uh, Pete's to a place like a G&B or like a Go Get Em Tiger. Or maybe it's better to compare it to a roastery, like a place like a Verve. Mm. And what, what do you mean? What's the, what, in what way? Well, like how are they different? Yeah, they're both specialty. They're both considered to be, you know, specialty coffee roasting companies, but they're also both like wildly different and have like really different goals. And your mind is, you know, do you prefer one to the other or are they just kind of catering to different no, audiences to you? They're catering to a very different audience. I mean, places like Ver, places like GMB, places like Equator, places mm-hmm. like, you know, even Kian. Kian's like the hybrid. But they're all catering to community. They're catering to people that come in there, not just for coffee, but because it's in their neighborhood. They know everyone there. They Mm -hmm. have a rapport. Whereas a peach, you might have a rapport there, but you're not as likely to get into a conversation with somebody. You're kind of in your zone. Like I can go into it. That's where I go to hide is a Starbucks or a Pete's. Mm -hmm. I get coffee and get on my computer and no one wants to talk to me. But if I go into a specialty coffee shop and people know who I am or I see friends, whatever, I'm not going to get any work done. So like, but I'm there for community. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I actually, I went to Pete's today and bought, is a f- screaming deal. <laughs> I bought the box of coffee, that you, the big box that you take to go. 96 ounces. It was whatever. Oh, That's like exactly a Joe like jo to go? Yeah, like a Joe to go for 22 bucks. Yeah, Whoa. 96 ounces. Yeah, and then they throw in, you know, like eight cups and the cream mm-hmm. and the sugar and all that stuff. And I was like, ounces? I was like, $22. Uh-huh. This is awesome. And we had brunch with like eight people and everybody right. had major Dickinsons. So it's like, and it was pretty sweet. <laughs> $22 for a little less than a gallon of coffee. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Wait, is it though? It. But no, we had like... It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't cost you, Chris, a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to make. Yeah. It was easily... Oh, I guess it was about a couple bucks of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Because we easily got like 10 we would charge. Out of we it. would charge like 28 bucks at Verve. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's still, it's like, it's about that. It's, yeah. it's, about right. it's eight... Yeah, no, no, it's 12 eight-ounce cups of coffee. I guess because I go into the coffee shop and I'll get, you know, like a cappuccino and an espresso and then I tip and I spend like almost 10 bucks anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, $22 for a whole box? Oh, no, it's a, this it's a is screaming sweet. deal. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're spending that anyway with like your family. Or but your why life. are you buying a Joe to go? Why aren't you just like brewing it for people? <laughs> well, we had, okay, <laughs> this is a, yeah, this is a total sidebar, but. Slam. Slammed. We had, we had brunch and I'm, you know. Um, you're new to the brunch, I'm, right? I'm designated to bring the coffee because I'm known as the coffee guy. But it was kind of a last minute thing, so I, I got up and I realized that like, shit, I actually don't have any coffee at my house because I just drank the last of our coffee. So now this uh, this Ecuador is going to be my new like coffee for the next couple weeks, which is awesome. I didn't have any coffee, and I was like, oh, I could go buy some whole bean, but then I don't know if where I'm going as a grinder or anything. And so we were just like, whatever, I'm going to buy a box. No, Jodigo's great. And it was good. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I put a little bit of manufacturing cream in it. Stir that up. Heavy cream, and it is good. Yeah. Man cream. Man cream. Yeah, I love I love Pete's. I love Pete's. I love Starbucks. And I eat at Starbucks like probably once a week. Yeah. Get a bento box and a little juice. It's awesome. Are we sidebarring? Do we need to... R- Sorry. No, no, no. We no. got time. I oh. got no... Okay. We're not sidebarring Okay, anywhere. cool. No, no, I'm no. I'm waiting out traffic because that one I want yeah. south. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. We're good. We should take you to tacos after this. I mean, you, you came here. We got your back. All right. That concludes part two of three with Alexandra Littlejohn. Thanks so much for listening to the Cat and Cloud podcast brought to you by Pull String Plus. Plus. Yeah, fuck. You should say the whole thing. Just do it? Yeah. Just finish it up. Just say that, what you just said, and then... That concludes part two of three with Alexandra Littlejohn. Thanks for tuning in to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. We'll see you next time.